Good morning, everybody, and those in YouTube land. Nice to have you with us. We're in um, Hebrews chapter 12. We're beginning that. So we'll have a word of prayer in just a minute and get going. Get some stuff to write down, uh, references that we reference and all that stuff. Okay. Let's have a word of prayer and ask the Lord's help. Father in heaven, we just thank you for your grace now, Lord. And we do ask your help to understand these things, Lord. Thank you for the word of God, for the Bible. It's your word, Lord. And uh, we stand upon holy ground here as we look at it and read it and study it, Lord. We just thank you for it. Help us, Lord, and uh, honor yourself. And we just thank you for what we have. And this portion before us, and Lord, we just thank you for all things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to just uh, um, take a couple minutes, it's good for us to uh, review and back up, and we like to have uh, one of the laws of the teacher is to uh, repeat, okay, repetition, we don't go on to anything new until we've gone over uh, over the, the old, and oftentimes it's a repetition, like when you're memorizing something, uh, there's something you don't hear much about anymore. Uh, we're on a rabbit trail already, is memorizing Bible verses. Uh, I won't ask you how many do that, but we should all be memorizing Bible verses on a regular basis. You know, it used to be that we uh, did a lot more of that. But the memorization, you know, we, some people can read it once and then they, they've got it. I don't know if you're like me, you got to go over it about 600 times and then you might have it, you know. <laughs> then you'll forget it the next day. But anyways, we want to back up a little bit here just to get the gist of what's taking place. We know uh, we've done this so many times, but you should be well uh, uh, aware of what's taking place in the book of Hebrews now. The Spirit of God had this, had this uh, written out and penned for um, uh, some Hebrews back in the early church in the 60s, I believe it was. And it was around Rome, somewhere there, probably Rome. I think it says it's from Italy at some point, I think I read the other day. But that nonetheless, that there was some that were in danger of going away, falling away. And, and he uses the, uh, he says um, in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12, that for them to beware lest any of them had an evil heart of unbelief in um, departing from the living God. Okay, And so we see, we dive into this and see, and we've discovered that, that there were some that... Uh, um, are enlightened, they have the, the knowledge of Christ, and they've, uh, the light has come on, so to speak, but that doesn't save a person, okay? And what saves a person? Belief in Christ, not the knowledge of Christ, okay? So illumination and enlightenment is a different thing entirely. If, if what I'm saying now was not true, then we wouldn't have the book of Hebrews, and you wouldn't have the book of Peter, and you wouldn't have the book of Galatians, and all these other ones that help us to understand this particular thing. Um, it flies in the face of modern evangelism sometimes, but we won't get into that right now. We want to, uh, thinking about this, <clears throat> in uh, chapter 3 of Hebrews, um, verses 8 and 15, he talks about uh, um, them hardening their hearts. Harden not your hearts, as in the day of provocation. Now that back in the Old Testament, Numbers chapter 13, was a picture in the Old Testament of these very things right here. They came up to the promised land. God sent spies in, brought back fruit of the land, a good report. 
they tasted of the land, they saw it was good, and yet when they had a problem with the uh, giants in the land, they says, get us out of here, somebody's got to take us back to Egypt. And the Lord says, look, because of your unbelief, you will not enter into my rest. Okay, And that's what we have here. In the Old Testament, you have all kinds of pictures and types of the things that are taught in the New Testament. For instance, you take Noah's Ark. What's that a picture of? Salvation. Isn't it? Salvation. It's a picture of salvation. And there's and it's filled with we're filled with those uh, those kind of things in the Old Testament. Um, so we see that the Lord has shown us back there, he gives us an illustration from, from the early times about what's taking place here. Now this business of hardening the heart, I was thinking about that, he says, harden not your heart as in the day of provocation. Um, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 15, now we're not going to turn to there, you write it down and you look it up and read it later, if you like, it'd be good for it. it. It talks about, it says, their hearts, they have hardened. And that's the idea that they had hardened their hearts. Pharaoh had hardened his heart, and after a while, God says, okay, fine, and that's what you're going to have. You're going to have a hardened heart there. But the people hardened their hearts. And thinking about this, there's a couple verses I just want to um, read to you in uh, Jeremiah. And it has something to do with the hardening of the hearts. And it has to do with the circumstances that people find themselves in sometimes. The circumstances of life you'll find. Have anybody ever have any problems in life? <laughs> Yeah, everybody. It's silly. Eh? The Lord tells us that uh, in the world you shall have tribulation. And Job has the sparks fly upwards, you know, the troubles and such. But listen to this, these few words here in Jeremiah chapter 44. Um, it's at verse 15 to around 19. It says, Then all the men, and he knew what was taking place in, in that time. The people had gone away from the worship of God, and they had gone to worshiping idols and all kinds of things, and false religions. And Jeremiah's preaching to them that this is what you should do. Leave that stuff alone. Then all the men which knew that their wives had burned incense unto other gods, and all the women that stood by, a great multitude, even all the people that dwelt in the land of Egypt in Pathros, answered Jeremiah, saying, now listen to the answer that they had to the preacher Jeremiah about leaving their idols and returning to the Lord. As for the word that thou hast spoken unto us in the name of the Lord, we will not hearken unto thee. But we will certainly do whatsoever thing goes forth out of our own mouth to burn incense unto the Queen of Heaven. You heard that before? Yeah, there's people around today that, that uh, worship the Queen of Heaven. You go read this. It's condemned right there. And to pour out drink offerings unto her as we have done, we and our fathers, our kings and our princes in the cities of Judah, and in the streets of Jerusalem, for then, listen to this, and when they did this, they figured, okay, we will do this, and we're going to keep on doing it, and here's the reason. For when we did this, then we had plenty of victuals, and were well, and saw no evil. Didn't that? Victuals has to do with food and stuff like that, doesn't it? Doesn't that? Yeah. Okay, they had plenty of, they, they, they had plenty, okay? Okay, this is their reason, and we saw no evil. They didn't know that they were doing evil. But since we left off to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her, we have wanted all things. Oh, leave that off and turn to the Lord. Guess what happens? And have been consumed by the sword, by the famine. And when we turned in, and when we burned incense to the Queen of Heaven and poured out drink offerings unto her, 
Did we make her cakes to worship her and to pour out drink offerings unto her without our men and so on and so forth? Um, so we see there in Jeremiah, their hearts were certainly hardened. There's an example of it. And it was because of a perceived problem that they had. They thought that they had everything going well when they were away from the Lord. One of the difficulties that the Hebrews had, and we saw back in chapter 11, where that was that um, he tells us here about some of the things that uh, befell them. And I just can't find the thing just right now. We went through that about all the problems that were that befell the uh, saints and such, and the uh, the persecutions and difficulties that these ones were having. So what we take from that is a lesson for us that circumstances and troubles and difficulties that we have that everybody has. There's nobody exempt from it. Problems and difficulties and such. Sometimes you get into a state and you get away from God. You'll start blaming Him and you'll start on that road away from Him. Now, we're not talking about losing salvation. The Christian can't. But sometimes there's folks that have come ahead, like the Hebrews have come ahead, and things are difficult. You know the Christian life is difficult? You ever heard that preached before? It's tough. The world hates you. They're not going to stand up for you. not going to stand with you. You stand by yourself sometimes. But the problems were here that they had difficulties, and they let the circumstances and the problems and difficulties of life cause them... We're not going to go there. We're done with this. Uh, we're going back. And they wanted to go back to Judaism. And the book of Hebrews talks about explaining that Jesus Christ is the better sacrifice. He's better than the priest. He's better than the angels. He's just better. Okay? And so let's pick it up here uh, where we left off. We looked at the first four verses of chapter 12 as part of chapter 11 in, in what he was talking about um, the difficulties that the uh, believers of the Old Testament had and such. And the, the, um, the remedy for this problem, the remedy for these things, the remedy for uh, falling away or preventing it is in verse 2, chapter 12. Um, he talked in verse 1 about that great cloud of witnesses, all those in chapter 11 and chapter, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Looking into Jesus, that'll help your problem. There's the problem that most people have. You find yourself in a difficulty. You find yourself overwhelmed with circumstances. And you find yourself kind of down. And then you're going to start on that road away. You know, even a, a believer, we go down that road of poor me, poor me. And sometimes, you know, it's nice to have somebody, uh, uh, somebody's ear to bend and, and to have some sympathies with you in your difficulties. But number one thing, look unto Jesus. Look unto the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's going to help. You've got a problem right now. You folks there out in cyberspace, whatever you call it, you're listening. You've got problems too. What's the answer? It's another one of the lessons in the book of Hebrews is look to Jesus Christ. You're not looking to him like you should be. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He endured the difficulties. I remember one fellow, one fellow, I, I forget exactly how the, the, the uh, subject went. It was, he was doing something that he did regularly and it was an uncomfortable thing. He says, well, I'll be uncomfortable. The Lord was uncomfortable for me. Going up Calvary's hill, carrying that cross, and then going up there after being beaten, and so on and so forth, and then being crucified. 
But he endured all that. So here we see the ultimate example for us, the example of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who went to the cross of Calvary, allowed himself to be nailed up on that cross through his hands and his feet. And he gave his life on that cross. God manifested in the flesh there as the Lamb of God, paying for the sins of the world because that's what it took. And nothing less than God in a man's body. And the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 20 that that was the blood of God. Okay? He died on that cross. They buried him. And he rose from the dead on the third day to show that death is defeated, sin is defeated, and he is indeed the Son of God. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And he's there now praying for us, for the believers. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. We can ask ourselves, and we probably all have that from time to time, you know, it's not that we want to go away or anything, but we get circumstances can overwhelm us in that, and we're not thinking clearly. The answer is to get yourself before the Lord. Get yourself there. Get yourself reading your Bible. Get yourself praying. And you'll find that the thing will turn again. And the Lord will help you. You've not yet resisted unto blood. <clears throat> Excuse me. So then we go into, he, he talks in now this, we're looking at sections as we go through the, the chapters. The next section here from verse 5, I think to about uh, verse 11 or so, he talks about the chastening chastising. That word is mentioned many times here. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. That word chastening uh, right there. Uh, the definition of this um, of this word, it, it has the idea of discipline and it primarily denotes to train children. Sometimes we think of chastening as just being punished or getting beat up or something like that. That's not the idea behind that word there. God chastens his own. Okay, It has to do with training children. It comes from a word that has, the root is children. Uh, the broad idea of education and discipline. Okay, uh, It's correction by or with words. Or correction and instruction by the infliction of calamities and troubles. So that calamity, that particular thing that you don't like, that difficulty that may be in your life, maybe God gave it to you, gave it to me because he's chastising. He's training us. He's teaching us. He's helping us. That the trial of our faith, you see, look in Peter, talks about that. Okay, that's chastening. Uh, let's go on here. Uh, my, my son, verse 5, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. Sometimes we get into troubles just because we're dumb. We do stupid things and we get do things that we ought not to be and we end up in a situation where we shouldn't have been. But, you know, why is this happening to me, Lord? Well, maybe he just gave it to you, Job. Okay? Verse 6, for whom the Lord loveth, he chastens. Oh, and scourges every son whom he receives. Now that scourging, that is the idea of a whip. And someone uh, said something years and years ago, I never forgot, I've said it to you a number of times, that the thing is, and you might find that you're being whipped for something. And maybe there's no real good cause or something. You can't see it. But the thing is, you must 
look at the whip, not the hand that's holding it. Because the Lord may send somebody that maybe you don't get along with, or just some, I don't know, he'll, he, you know, he could send you or me to somebody and say something, and did you ever have that in a conversation, and somebody says something, and like, oh boy, that's my answer right there, eh? you know, that's the Lord speaking, you know, I remember a missionary I told you before, um, Bible school at the time, um, stood up, and the very, very meek fellow, oh, you could hear the pin drop in the place, it was just, just the power of the Lord was there, and he said, uh, if a child stands up, read scripture, you stop and you listen to everything that that child is saying. The Spirit of God may be saying something to you personally, you see. Okay? A scourge, a whip, every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, see that word endure there? That's the same word as we had up there in verse 2 and verse 3. But the Lord Jesus endured what he went through. Okay? And we have things in our life we just have to endure, we have to go through. Perhaps God has given this particular thing. If he hasn't, take it to him anyway. What son is he whom the father chastens not? And then he goes in verse 8. But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Today it's made into a swear word. Sometimes the, the devil wants, as one preacher said, the devil wants you to think that the Bible is a, a dirty book and it uses language like that that we don't have today or don't use it like that today but a bastard's an illegitimate child you know um, in um, <coughs> counseling people you know, often or you, somebody is having a trouble or a problem or something just nicely ask them how are things going oh they're going really great Everything's just fine. You haven't, you haven't been to church for a year. And stuff. Everything's just great. Everything's wonderful. Everything goes, yeah, couldn't be better. you got a bigger problem than you know, maybe. Because that's what it says right there. If you be without chastisement, if you wander away from the Lord, do something stupid, fall into sin or whatever, is God going to correct you? Sure he is. He may send correcting and training, and you haven't even done that. Where all the particulars then are you bastards and not sons. He says that he chastises everyone that he receives. He trains us. He teaches us. I was thinking about this the other day. And uh, I remember talking to uh, a teacher when I got to Bible school. Uh, it was a year. It was a terrible year for us. And my younger brother had died in a car accident back in May. And we went in August or September down, down there. And I don't know, you've, you've had things like that, everybody has things like that happen in their lives, but uh, I forget what it was, it was just, it, it comes out to me now that perhaps, just perhaps, and I, maybe I shouldn't even say it, I don't really know, but the Lord allowed that to happen for a number of reasons, one which is to a whip for me. You know, Stephen's whip to be with the Lord. And uh, here am I, left in this old world. <laughs> but perhaps that's what God was doing. Do you think? Is it possible? Sure, it's possible. It's hard. It's difficult. I don't like it. God knows. Mm. And and like we talk about Connie. Connie used to always uh, say, "Wow, look at this!" Wow. I mean, she's still she's in heaven, still saying, "Wow." I think for myself it's going to be, oh, oh, 
I see. I get it. Because when you get there, you're going to see and understand all these things that we don't understand. It's a, oh, I get it now. Okay. Anyways, let's go on. Uh, verse 9, furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us. Now that word corrected right there is, is the word chastened. It's exactly the same word as chastened or chastening. Okay. There's an idea to correct, to train, to teach the children. Um, the same word. Which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Okay. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? Father of spirits and live. The um, argument here is: um, Sure, you've got troubles. You've got troubles so much that you want to go back. You want to give up after tasting of the good word of God and of the Holy Spirit and such. And they want to go back into Judaism. And he says, look at maybe God's allowing these things to be in your life. Maybe there's just correction and such like that. You need to go on. You need to believe. You need to trust in Christ with all your heart. Verse 10, for they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit that we might be partakers to share of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seems to be joyous. I've never seen anybody yet that says, boy, I just like this problem. i got a problem here right now, and it's, it's awful, and it's a, it's a tough one, and it's beating me down. Oh, I just love it. No, we don't, we're not like that. Well, most aren't. Seem to be joyous. Chastening does not seem to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised. The word there is not exercise we think of exercise today. It means to be trained thereby. Okay? Afterwards. It's tough now, but afterwards. Okay? Wherefore. Okay? Because of these things, he says, because of all this here, the chastening and such, the example of the Lord Jesus on the cross, how he endured. And we, I want you to endure, he says. I want you to go on, go ahead. And God chastens his own. You're not going to have... Um, I think it's one of the dumbest sayings I think I've ever heard is um, a bed of roses. Roses, roses are, are modern ones that don't have thorns. But, um, life's not easy. Okay, Verse 12, uh, Wherefore, lift up, means to strength, the idea of strengthening, lift up the hands which hang down in the feeble knees. So you can picture somebody, uh, they're sitting there, they're sitting like, they're sitting down, and where's the, the hands? The hands are down. You ever sit like that? Nobody like that right now. You ever sit like that? So that's the picture there. He says, lift them up. Get up. Lift them up. They need to be strengthened. And the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. And make straight paths for your feet. The straight paths, the idea is that the person is wandering off the path, the proper path that we're supposed to be on. We walk a certain path with the Lord and for the Lord, keeping our eyes upon Him. Never mind the things at the side that are trying to draw us aside. But these ones, because of their circumstances, because of the difficulties, because of the problems. They've had their homes taken away, perhaps. and All kinds of difficulties back then. But the Lord Jesus took worse punishment. Amen. On the cross, took the punishment for our sins. He says, lift up your hands. Make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned unto the way. And the idea there is going astray, but rather, but let it rather be healed. And then he says, there's a, 
So there's three things he mentions there under the wherefore. Lift up the hands, lift up the feeble knees, make straight paths for your feet. You've got to do with your walk. Are you walking with the Lord? Or are you walking away from the Lord? Okay, you walk with Him, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be better, right? And then we get down to verse 14. No. Well, I made a mistake. There wasn't this, this was three things. I'm, I'm misinterpreting what I wrote down here. There's one, two, three, four, five things here. Okay. Because the wherefore, first of all, lift up your hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Make straight paths for your feet. And then he says, that has to do with your walk. And now follow peace. Verse four, 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness. Okay, that word follow there means to pursue. Does it mean to follow along after just la-di-da, looking around, following along? It means an active pursuing this thing. Peace. Peacemakers. I think if we had that in uh, a lot of churches, you hear there's a lot of divisions and there's this and that and the other thing. If we pursued peace, the unity of the Spirit, the bond of peace, and just left the arguments and stuff outside, knowing that peace is something that's way above all those things, and I don't have to have the last word. I don't have to have my opinion out there all the time and just stop that stuff. In God's eyes, it's a greater thing to seek peace. Why would you not rather be defrauded? And so on and so forth. Step back. Pursue peace. If we don't uh, remember anything, let's remember that. Pursue peace with all. And holiness. He talks about holiness here. And that's the same word as sanctification, okay? Basically, basically the same root word. Um, over in some stuff we need to look up later in 1 John chapter 2, verse 29, and chapter 3, verse 7, he talks about those that practice righteousness. It talks about them which commit sin, or them that do righteousness, and them that do sin. The word there is to practice, okay? doesn't mean in 1 John people read that sometimes, oh, I just I committed a sin, therefore I'm, I'm, I'm done for. No, the word means not that you just do something, it means to practice. If your life is characterized by sinful things, you've got a problem. You've got a big problem. And by we'll read it in 1 John chapter 2 and 3, you'll see he says that those that practice sin are of the devil. Now we know that we're saved. One of the things we know that we're saved, he says, they that practice righteousness are of God. Okay? And when you get saved in your heart, in your soul, in your spirit, you just want to do the good. And you want to practice righteousness. You don't want to go and sin anymore. You don't practice that. You did before, and you don't now when you're saved. You're different. We're different people, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, and then verse 15, also looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. And now you write things down, Galatians chapter 5 verse 4 talks about falling from grace. And he's talking to believers. Okay? Any man fail of the grace of God. Uh, the second one, another lest any root of bitterness springing up. A root of bitterness. Um, the definition I looked up for bitterness, there's a condition of extreme wickedness. It's a bitterness, it means to prick, a sharpness. And you, it's a person that's just kind of against everything and everybody. It's just bitter, carrying this kind of a grudge in their heart and their soul. And they won't stop, they won't let it go. But look what it does, that root of bitterness. 
a bad attitude, all those things. Look what it does. A root of bitterness springing up trouble. You see that word you is in italics? You could just leave that off for a minute. A root of bitterness springing up trouble. It troubles you, but he says, and thereby many be defiled. It's like, you know how you hear somebody start to laugh and it's kind of infectious and you start to laugh? A root of bitterness does the same thing on you for a bad sense, doesn't it? You got difficulties? Yeah. Get over it. Get to the Lord. Stop. He says, grow up. Let it go. You carry a bad attitude, you bring it to church, you bring it to your family, you bring it to your workplace or whatever, and others are going to be infected by it. People today are worried about infections, about getting sick from this thing and another thing and so on and so forth, and the flus and stuff that's going on. They're so worried about these infections that they aren't thinking about what's more important, infinitely more important, is spiritual infection from bitterness. Yeah, things aren't going very well sometimes. Yeah, life's like that sometimes. We have no uh, um, reason or no um, right to carry a bad attitude. A Christian has no right to do that. The Lord Jesus paid for everything. He says, bring everything to me now. It's like leaven. It infects others. We should be concerned about the infection of bad attitudes, of bitterness. He says, lest any root of bitterness... He says, see, he's saying, stand up, get yourself going, lift up your hands, make straight paths through your feet, follow peace, pursue holiness, look diligently, lest anybody fails of grace, and a root of bitterness. For example. If, you don't, if you don't get yourself out of that place, you're going to be one of those ones that are filled with bitterness. So the Lord's saying to us, he's saying, look at who's going to help you with that? And wait for God to come and flip the switch and do something. He says, sometimes I want you to learn to stand up yourself and stand for yourself. You did this thing with your wrong thinking. You're in that place because you're thinking wrong. Smarten up. Let go of it. And he goes on, he keeps, he got three lests here. Lest any man fail, uh, lest the root of bitterness spring up, lest, verse 16, there be any fornicator or profane person. It just gets worse and worse. Could it be that if you don't smarten up, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse in your life? And you're going to drag others down with you. And he uses the example of uh, Esau as one who uh, gave up his birthright. Kind of like what it is these Hebrews were in danger of. They'd seen some wonderful things that God has done, and they wanted to give it up. What for? Well, for an easier life. Let's just look at this for a minute. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person. That word profane right there has the idea is that... Uh, I need my glasses to read my own writing. Sorry, just hang on. I wrote a note under that one. Uh, profane. That which lacks all relation to God. That which lacks all relation to God. So your relationship to God is going to be in a... It's going to be damaged. A Christian can't, you can't lose your salvation. You can certainly lose fellowship with God, can you not? Mm -hmm. With these bad attitudes, holding grudges and all this stuff, the bitterness and all these things. This is the Spirit of God speaking to these ones and warning them. We can take this stuff for us today. That's a wonderful thing about the Bible. The Scriptures were written thousands of years ago, but it's for today because it's, it's, it's for all time. 
because it's written by God. Um, let's look at Esau. Unless uh, there be a fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. He was hungry, wasn't he? He came in and, and his brother was making, made him some, had some stew going there, or whatever it was, bean soup or something. And he, as being the eldest son, he trades his birthright, give me something to eat. I'm so hungry right now. He wanted, he wanted the immediate fix. His hunger. And sometimes we find ourselves, we got a problem or whatever, I gotta have this thing fixed right now. And you just want anything for it. The same as the uh, uh, Numbers uh, chapter 11, uh, 13 in the wilderness, the day of provocation. They wanted that fixed right now. These ones, the problem that they were having, they could fix it right now. We'll just give up and go back to where we were. And then for the problems that we have, we want a quick fix. Esau wanted a quick fix. He says, oh, I'll give you my birthright. Uh, all that belongs to, see, the eldest son got double portion of everything, eh? When the, when the, when the dad died. He says, you, you can have all that. For one morsel of meat sold his birthright because he did not consider his birthright as something that was important or valuable. Mm. He did not look down the road. Look further down the road. Sometimes we just look right here. Look down the road. This life isn't all there is to it, is it? Yeah. It's good thing. <clears throat> Disappointment that would be, eh? <laughs> we got all eternity. The Christian has all eternity. And anybody else that would trust in Jesus Christ, you've got all eternity. This life's going to be tough. But someday we're going to be with the Lord. Amen. And it may be a lot sooner than you think, too. Anyways, let's go on. We're almost, we'll just finish this up and then we'll uh, close it up for today. Um, verse 17, For you know how that afterward when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected because he gave the birthright over to his, his, his brother. And he found no place of repentance. You see, this example, this is a picture from the Old Testament that explains, helps us to understand and explains what's happening in Hebrews. Okay? They were giving up something very, very important. He sought it carefully with tears. There was no more place for him. There's no more. It was done. And that, that's the problem here. Uh, he was saying with the, the book of Hebrews says about uh, uh, these ones that were going to go back just illuminated. You have, you have the knowledge. You can see it. And you understand it. And when the Spirit of God comes upon a person and gives them that understanding, that veil is lifted. Okay, You've got to believe. You must trust. You must put your faith in Christ. It's not by words. It's from the heart, isn't it? Amen. He says, they were in trouble. They were going to let go, give up, and go back to what they knew beforehand. Circumstances and so on and so forth. We have to stop right there, right in the middle of it all. But uh, our time is pretty well cooked. So there's a lot of stuff for us there. Read over that again. Read that portion again. Familiarize yourself with it. And as you study your Bible, particularly here, you can see that there's sections of things, like paragraphs, sort of, of ideas. There's this idea, and then he talks about chastening, and then he talks about the wherefore. And this helps you to understand the Bible and understand a book, not just take little bits and pieces here, but for us to take the, what's the meaning here, what's going on, what's he talking about, and going right through it. So we see the, the blessings of the Lord, the... 
answer to problems that we have, no matter what it is, from the smallest difficulty to the greatest difficulty, is the Lord. If we, if we don't look to the Lord, we're going to find ourselves sitting in that corner with our hands down, our heads bowed, poor me, and we're going to get into a worse, worse, worse state. Next thing you know, if you don't get that corrected, you might end up being very bitter. Some people are so angry at God for doing something in their lives, they won't darken the door of a church. They won't come to the Lord. God did this. See? Bitterness. And it doesn't just affect them. It affects other people around. So we could say overall then, the lesson here is, you've got to look to Jesus for your trouble. Remember, he endured. He expects us to endure. Look to him for everything. Take everything to him. You've got your prayer time. You've got your Bible reading time. Your Bible study time. Don't leave it off. Don't let anybody or anything keep you away from that. That's the number one thing in your life, okay, for the Christian. You've got to maintain that time with God, that fellowship with God in the Word of God. Amen? Amen. With that, we'll just stop right there, and we'll pick this up later, Lord willing. Let's pray. Father, again, we give thanks, Lord. We thank you for your Word, and at least few things that we've looked at here today, we just pray and remind us of some things and help us, Lord. And we just thank you for your goodness, your love towards us. And Lord, may we pursue peace, may we follow after peace and holiness. And Lord, we just pray that perhaps this week coming up, Lord, and not just this week, but the rest of our lives, Lord, that we could be looking to help others around about us with a kind word and a word from the scriptures to look unto Jesus Christ, to be saved, and to look unto Jesus for the difficulties that befall us. And even in the good times, Lord, to look to you and always giving thanks. Lord, we thank you for your graciousness. Thank you for your love and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for loving us first. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, that's it for right now. Thank you. Bye now.